1: A federal court has given Texas three days to say if and when the Texas legislature will fix its voter maps. In the long-running legal battle, the three-judge panel ruled that two congressional districts approved by state Republican lawmakers illegally discriminate against Hispanic and black voters by diluting their voting power. It's the fourth time federal courts have declared Texas voter maps unfair. Texas cannot use its current voter maps in the upcoming congressional midterm elections. Joining me are two experts experts in voting rights, Justin Levitt, a professor at Loyola Law School and formerly a deputy assistant attorney general in the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division, and Richard Brafalt, professor at Columbia Law School, chair of the Conflicts of Interest Board of New York City. Justin, you really do need a map to figure out this six years of litigation, and it took the court a 104-page decision. The judges concluded that these maps still carried the discriminatory taint of districts that lawmakers originally drew in 2011. So start us off with describing what happened in 2011.
2: Well, to really get a handle on what happened in 2011, you've got to start years and maybe decades earlier. Uh, Texas is what we call a repeat offender in this area. Um, It has had problems with drawing district lines impermissibly on the basis of race uh, and abusing race in that process pretty much every decade since it began to draw lines in, in compliance with the Supreme Court's uh, one-person, one-vote decisions. Um, and this is the latest. Uh, so in 2011, uh, Texas went to draw lines. Uh, those lines were blocked uh, by the preclearance process that was then in place where Texas had to check in with the federal government before it could give effect to its laws because of its troubled racial history. Um, In the meantime, uh, the court drew temporary lines to get us through the 2012 cycle. The legislature then essentially ratified those 2012 lines. And the court came back today and said, look, what we did is temporary, and was always intended to be temporary. But there were serious problems with the compromise we put in place because there were serious problems with the underlying map. And those serious problems persist.
1: Richard, what has Texas's defense of the maps been over the last six years? Well, uh, the
3: most recent round of defense has been, gee, we didn't do anything wrong. We just adopted, with some minor changes, the court's map. So as Justin says, and, and, and June, you talk about having a map, it really didn't really need a detailed timeline, is when the courts blocked the 2011, uh, when, the, when the 2011 uh, lines were uh, pending as to whether or not they'd be pre-cleared, this court came, came up with a set of its own lines, as Justin said, which were only marginally different from the 2011 lines. And they said, we haven't done any analysis, uh, but we think that you know, we have to have some lines in place. And in 2013, they the Texas legislature simply in, in a very, very... Quick action in a special session basically took the court's map and with very very minor tinkering uh, adopted that. Texas' defense is we can't be discriminatory in effect. Whatever was wrong with the 2011 lines, these aren't them. Uh, we're, all we did was follow what the court did, and that's that's in the heart of the defense is that all we did was follow what the court did.
1: Justin, in about a minute, the judges said that the Texas lawmakers were trying to basically game the system by adopting the interim maps and that it was a litigation strategy. How so?
2: Well, this was designed to get them out of court, uh, or at least temporarily out of court, and on to elections quickly. But it wasn't designed the 2013 lines, the lines that Richard just mentioned. Um, they weren't designed to fix the problem. And the problem with the original maps in 2011 were deep. Uh, they discriminated intentionally on the basis of race. Texas took, as Richard said, very quick action to try and and ratify the court's compromise. But the original taint of those 2011 lines persisted. And the court recognized the other day that uh, you've got to take stronger remedial action when there's real troublesome action intentionally discriminating based on race.
1: I've been talking with Professor Richard Brafalt of Columbia Law School and Professor Justin Levitt of Loyola Law School about a federal court giving Texas three days to say if and when the legislature will fix its voter maps after finding that they illegally discriminate against Hispanic and black voters fourth time the judge. The courts have declared Texas voter maps unfair. Rich, the the court's given Texas three days. At the same time, we have the AG of Texas saying that he is going to appeal this to the Supreme Court, where this has been before. So what happens in three days exactly?
3: Um, I think what the court has asked basically is for the response from the AG is whether or not uh, Texas will take this up again. Uh, if not, uh, uh, the court itself will be in the process in uh, in a couple of weeks, right after Labor Day. So that's, that's sort of the – in some sense, the court laid out as either you do it, either you tell us right away that you're going to take it up, or we will do it uh, fairly soon. Either way, they, you know, they know that the 2018 elections are coming, and they want to make sure they have
1: enough time. So, Justin, what what's likely – to happen? What are they likely to say? And how difficult to process would it be? It, it's two congressional districts, but that affects other congressional districts.
2: It sure does. Uh, They're going to have to redraw not only those two districts, but the districts around them. And redistricting often has ripple effects, so that may affect the districts around them and around them. Um, I suspect the Texas legislature is going to want to keep as much control of this process as they can. That's certainly been uh, the way that they've been inclined in the past. And so I suspect they will attempt to come back and draw remedial maps. Um, But there again, they're going to have to be careful to actually undo the harm. Um, They weren't willing to do that in 2013. There are real questions about whether they're willing to do that now. And if they don't uh, remedy, fully remedy the discrimination, the court's fully prepared to step in.
1: Rich, one of the more interesting questions that this brings up to me is – what are the odds now that Texas might be forced back under federal supervision uh, for any future changes the state lawmakers make to election rules? So give us a little insight into what happened when the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the heart of the Voting Rights Act and and what may happen here.
3: Sure. So a key piece of the Voting Rights Act was called Section 5, so-called preclearance. And what it said is that there based on the past use of illegal tests and very low voter registration and turnout, and this goes back to the 1960s, certain jurisdictions, certain states or certain counties are in effect suspect. The combination of illegal voting tests and low turnout means we think there's something funny in these places, and we think that if we strike down one bad thing, we'll come in with another, which had been the practice in those states. And so what Congress said is, if you fall within this, cap- this category of problem jurisdictions, When you change your voting laws, they don't go into effect right away. They have to be pre-cleared, either by a local federal district court or by the attorney general. Most cases went through the attorney general; few went through federal district court in Washington. And that was the law for about 50 years until this case called Shelby County in 2013, where the Supreme Court said the formula that, that, that Congress is using to identify these problem jurisdictions relies on old data. It really goes back to the 1970s, and we think they can't use that formula. They didn't actually get rid of the concept of preclearance, but they said, you can't use this old formula. And so, but that effectively killed preclearance as it stood. But there's another provision of the Voting Rights Act, which some people like to call bail in. And it says, even if you're not one of those problem jurisdictions, if as a result of things that you're doing now, Uh, illegal activity you're doing now, a federal court determines that you ought to be subject to this kind of review because you've proven yourself to be a a problem jurisdiction. Then, in fact, the court can retain jurisdiction and say, going forward, for some set of voting, it could be all voting issues or some set of voting issues like redistricting, once again, they don't go into effect until we get to review them. Uh, and that's the idea, is that this is, hasn't been used a lot. It has been used in a handful of cases. Some people have said that maybe it should be used a lot more now, uh, given the the lack of general preclearance, is to have this bail-in process for for jurisdictions that show by their current actions that they're problem jurisdictions.
1: So, Justin, are you willing to go out on a limb here and say how likely it is that uh, Texas may be forced back as a, as a repeat offender?
2: I've talked about Texas, in particular, um, repeat offender, not just on redistricting maps, but but also on uh, very strict voter ID laws. Um, courts have found three different times that those were uh, designed to intentionally discriminate against minorities. I've talked about Texas as, as sort of the inverse New York, New York scenario. If you can make a case anywhere, you can make it there. And so, if this new, if this provision to pull problem jurisdictions back under federal supervision is going to have any teeth whatsoever. Texas is the poster child. Um, it has had repeated problems dealing with race, again, for, for 50, 60 years. And those aren't just in the past. As all of these rulings show, it has a continuing problem today. And so of the states uh, where this has been requested, Texas is probably number one on the list for the likelihood of, of getting put back under federal supervision.
1: And 30 seconds. So, Rich. Supreme Court likely to take this case? Yes or no? Um, Actually, you you have more than that. Yes or no here?
3: It's hard because it's very fact specific. uh, What's going on here, and the specific legal question of you know what does it mean for there to be discriminatory intent, and can the legislature's discriminatory intent? be inferred from the fact that they didn't change something that had previously been struck down, I think it's not a great question for the Supreme Court.
1: All right. So um, we'll have so, to leave but it But who there. knows with
3: the Supreme Court.
1: Exactly. We'll have to leave it there, but we'll be back to this is- issue again, I am sure. Thank you both for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Richard Brefault, professor at Columbia Law School, and Justin Levitt, professor at Loyola Law School in Los Angeles.
0: Your industry is unique.